We already had church. Amen? You just want me to bless you and you can go home? Not quiet. Uh, for those who don't know, if you are new here, if you're watching online, this is your first time. My name is James. I am on staff here, and I get the uh, privilege of sharing God's Word with you. Hello, Bill and Jan. So good to see you. These are some of our friends from Portland. Uh, happen to be recently regular listeners online. So, very, very good. So, uh, six days, 24 hours, and 13 minutes ago... I could have just said last Sunday after church, but it doesn't sound near as cool. All right, six days, 24 minutes, 13 minutes ago, I was driving home after church, right? And I needed to get home kind of quickly because I needed to pick JJ up so we could go get one of his friends, and he was following me on that app, Life360, so he knew when I was about a minute from home, right? So I'm I'm driving up Wandermere Hill, which is a steep little ascent, and I'm just about to the top of it, and I see a yellow slug bug. Um, VW bug, for those that don't ever play that game, okay? He's got his flashers on, and in front of that car, there is an old, beat-up, classic car with a gentleman who was somewhere over 50 but under 100 years old, (laughs) pushing. He had his backside next to the trunk of that car. He's still going up the incline, and each step, he's just... Very intentionally. He knew that if he stopped, he'd start rolling back down the hill. So I did what I did four weeks ago at the airport, rolled my window down and said, hey, buddy, looks like you need some help. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> Didn't do that, right? I did, uh, I did say, hey, you need some help? Duh, right? <laughs> so he keeps pushing, and I'm driving along beside him, and he's like, the car died. I just need to get it around the corner. I'm going to park it and come back with my trailer. I could help, right? So I go up the rest of the hill. I turn the corner, and it's an immediate downhill just for about a block. I'm like, all right. So I went about three-fourths of the way down, parked the car, ran out, and started helping him push. We started gaining momentum. And it was at that point that I started to think, wait a second. (laughs) He's not in the car yet. And if we turn a corner, we're going up. And when we turn a corner, we're going to start going downhill. And I knew there was nothing to stop his car if he wasn't in the car except the backside of my car. I'm thinking this, and at this point, this kind lady had joined us in the pushing, so we're really getting moving along. I'm still thinking this. She sees it and starts yelling, sir, sir, you need to get in the car. You need to get in the car. Sir, now get in. So he manages to get in, and we turn the corner, and we start going down, and she looks up, and she sees this gorgeous 1998 Subaru Forester. (laughs) A little bit of rust on the rear wheel wells, kayak racks that are also rusted to the top. And she, out loud, like, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the... Now, thankfully, his car stopped 18 inches from my rear bumper. It was at that moment that I remembered, four weeks ago I said mercy was inconvenient. Well, yes, it is, because I was in a rush to get home and then get back out. But mercy also involves risk. Mercy also involves risk. Let me pray, and then we'll talk about that. God, I thank you that you risked on us to send your son so that we could be in relationship with you, as we have already remembered this morning. 
I thank you that every day you risk in your relationship with us and that you call us to risk back. Lord, I pray as we open up your story that you would help us understand mercy in a little bit bigger way. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab your Bibles, your phone. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, the red book in the seat underneath is uh, also a Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. If you haven't answered Jason's question yet, we're going to stick that number back up on the screen. In the text that he read, Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do for you? And we want to know your answers. Uh, I'm not going to read your answers and your names out loud, but at the end of the sermon, I am going to pray through these answers. So uh, go ahead and send in your answer to that question. Today we're wrapping up a sermon series that we've been calling Mercy, More Than Thoughts and Prayers. And in this series, we've been based out of Matthew's Gospels, where four different times, four different people or peoples have cried out to Jesus for mercy for four different situations. Week one, we saw that mercy gains traction through action. Week two, we saw that mercy calls the future into the present. Last week, we said that mercy flows from the overflow, and this week, Mercy requires risk. Now, this risk is, uh, is, is part of us partnering with God to deliver someone of their need. That's kind of the anchor definition we've been using for mercy. Call to worship Jason read Mark's account of this story. Um, we're going to read Matthew's account. We're going to go verse by verse. Starting at verse 29. It said, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Jericho was the last significant stop if you were coming from the east to Jerusalem. It was the last chance to get a good, clean porta potty. It was the last chance to get gas. It was the last 7 Eleven where you could finally get the Slurpee before the 3,000 foot climb up into Jerusalem. All right? And in the context of this story, we are at the beginning part of this Passover festival that Jason mentioned. People are coming into town for that, so the roads are going to be crowded. Lots of people, all right? Picture Bloomsday, 25 to 50,000 people. So you got a large crowd which had been gathering around Jesus very regularly. You go back and read Matthew's gospel, you'll see five or six different times it mentions a large crowd. So here at Jericho, Jesus hops on the camel, puts the blinker on, gets on the on-ramp, and starts going up. And he's got this large crowd that is following him. All right? Matthew 20. 29 and 30. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. In Mark's account, there was one guy, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus. We see two in our story, and it doesn't specifically say they were begging, but most scholars believe they were, because this was prime begging season. you got a large crowd. They're all going to church, which means they're going to feel generous and want to get their brownie points with God, and they're going to have a lot of coins so that they can accurately give when the offering plate is passed. So these two guys are sitting there on the side of the road. Somehow they hear that Jesus is coming. Somehow they know that he's got some umph to him. How do we know that? I mean, was there a visually impaired club in, in Galilee during that time? And did the, did the guys in Matthew chapter 9, when they got healed, go to these guys and say, hey, if he ever walks by, this is what you need to yell out because look at what happened to us. We don't know. But somehow we know that they heard Jesus was coming and they started crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Say that with me. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy requires risk. Have you ever yelled out in a crowd? If you haven't, you should try it sometime. All right, see what happens. I was at a track meet yesterday and the day before, and I happened to be sitting next to somebody who was trying to get attention of their kid. Oh, they were yelling. And the five kids in front of their kid heard them. The three kids behind their kid also heard them. They all turned and looked, but the kid? <laughs> it's a risk to yell out in a crowd. People might look at you. People might embarrass you. You might get told to be quiet, which we're going to get to. Well, these two guys on the side of the road, they weren't worried about people turning and looking at them. They just started yelling. It's interesting because some scholars think that they were yelling and yelling out Jesus, son of David, thinking maybe they're going to get a bigger tip in their, in their can. Because son of David means that he's got some kingly heritage. So maybe he's well off. Now, some scholars think that. I don't necessarily think that. Whatever the case, they are yelling out to Jesus. Matthew 20, verse 30, it finishes with, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And what happens? The crowd yells at them, be quiet. The risk of being shushed. Spouses, have you ever been shushed? Kids, have you ever been shushed? All the kids are gone. They're downstairs saying this. Uh-huh. I am surprised we didn't see the first recorded incident of road rage at this moment. <laughs> All right, because you've got this huge crowd of people that are walking by. Some of them have been walking for days. Some of them are tired, exhausted, trying to corral the kids. No, they got 3,000 feet of elevation gain. They're, they're walking up. They've got Enya in their AirPods, their AirPods, right, Mike? Okay. I mean, they're singing Psalms of Ascent, and all of a sudden there's people yelling. It's no wonder they yell, shush. Now, it was common in that day when a rabbi was walking along the road for the rabbi to be teaching. Teachers in the house, go ahead and raise your hands. You ever, uh, former teachers, anybody ever help in a classroom? All right. Let's think, of, think what Jesus is going through right now. He's maybe halfway through his lesson. Um, teachers, maybe you're better at this than me, but when I get interrupted in the middle of a lesson, I lose my train of thought, and it takes a long time to get it back. So I'm wondering what's going through Jesus' mind right now. Is he giving fist bumps to the guys who are shushing him because he just wants to keep talking? That's what I would have been doing. I'm not Jesus. And the guys were not going to be quiet. Verse 31. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd keeps going, shh. Here's an interesting aside. Matthew 21 starts with the triumphal entry. Now, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but was this crowd that was walking up, shushing the blind men, the same crowd that started yelling for Jesus just a couple hours later? I'd never made that connection before. I always thought there was like a day in between, but Matthew didn't say then there was evening and then there was morning and it was good, right? No. These crowds are shushing these guys three, four hours later. What are they yelling out? Matthew 21, verse 9. Jesus was in the center of the procession, big crowd. All the people around him were shouting. All the people now, not just two blind men. All the people were shouting, praise God for thee. Say it with me. Son of David. 
Four hours early, they were shushing these guys, and now they were yelling the same thing. That's kind of ironic, a little bit. Now, something else that's a little bit ironic, in Luke's account of the, uh, the triumphal entry, the religious leaders were trying to ask Jesus to shush the crowds. And he tells them, if I tell them to be quiet, right, the rocks are going to cry out. Doesn't sound like Jesus is too affected by loud yelling voices. So we're back at our text. Jesus and his disciples left the town of Jericho, a loud crowd gathers, two blind men hear that Jesus is coming. They're yelling out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd tries to quiet them, but they only shout louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 32, when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called. Let's just stop right there. So oftentimes in a text like this, and when I'm talking about mercy requiring risk, we think it was a risk for the blind men that were yelling out. Jesus took a risk too. You ever tried to stop in the middle of a crowd that's going the same direction? Again, think Bloomsday. You got 50,000 people jostling for position. Someone stops in front of you. What do you do? You knock them over. I mean, you, you say, excuse me, and you go around them. Jesus took a huge risk by stopping. You stop in the middle of a crowd, that's a recipe to get trampled. What was he thinking? Well, he might have been thinking about this ascent that he's about to start walking up. Might have been thinking about the crowds of sweaty people around him. Might have been thinking about the parade that's going to happen or the meal he's going to have towards the end of the week with his disciples or the betrayal, the crucifixion, all the rest of that stuff. All this he could have been thinking, but he stops. And catch this. He yells back. Isn't this fun? Barb told me when she walked in this morning, as I was talking kind of loud, she says, shh, this is a holy place. (laughs) Jesus is not using his inside voice. I mean, in Matthew 9, Jesus told the guys, hey, when I heal you from blindness, don't tell anybody. He can't say that here. Because they're on this side of the road yelling at him, and he's on this side of the road yelling at them. So often I picture Jesus walking over to them first, because that's what we get in Mark's account, right? Bring Bartimaeus here. Bring him here. And then I picture Jesus putting his arm around Bart and saying, hey, what do you want me to do for you? In this story, Jesus yells back. That's a risk. Jesus stops and yells, what do you want me to do for you? Picture 50,000 people. 49,998 of them know what they're going to (laughs) answer. Can you teleport me up this hill, Jesus? Right, I got got somebody who's sick. They all have an answer, and he's shouting this. Jason mentioned a genie in a bottle. You got 50,000 people thinking, is he giving free, free miracles out? This was a risk for Jesus. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 33, Lord, they said, we want to see. Lord, they said, we want to see. That's a risk. On all three of their accounts, the two blind men and Jesus, Jesus doesn't have to heal them, but if he does, he risks them not being thankful. Right? Luke 17, 10 lepers were healed. One came back and said, thank you. The odds are not always in Jesus' favor. All right? He risks the crowd all wanting them to give them what they want too. He risks ruining their lives. Have we ever thought about that? This is, blindness might be all these guys ever knew. 
begging might be all these guys ever knew. If Jesus gives them what they want, their lives are going to change. So it's a risk for them to ask that also. And asking for sight, they're asking for a life change. They're asking for the ability, the necessity to get a job, to get hired and fired. Because from early, like there until now, they've had handouts. But you see, then they have to work. They're asking for an experience they have never had before. This is terrifying. They're asking to leave one life behind and start a whole nother one. Mercy requires risk. Now, this is one of those times I picture in the story where time just stands still, all right, where everything slows to a crawl, where every movement, every emotion was felt to the nth degree. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called out, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. And Jesus felt sorry for them. If you're following along, some of your Bibles will say compassion for them. The, the Greek word for that's a phenomenal word. You've heard me explain it before. I won't try and pronounce it because I can't. But it means an internal rumbling. Jesus had felt this type of compassion other times. When he fed the 5,000, the text says he, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. Jesus felt these guys' question deep inside of him. He felt their pain. He knew that they were asking to to dig down beneath the hard crust of a lifetime of begging for mercy and money and wanting something different. They were taking a risk. Mercy requires risk. Now, it's at this point in the story that I think Jesus started to make his way to them. Okay, they've had this shouting match back and forth, and at this point, Jesus feels deeply for them, and he's like, excuse me, excuse me, coming through on your left. Nope, your other left, right? I bet he wished he had Andre the Giant in uh, Princess Bride. You know, everybody move! And he gets to them, and he reaches out, and he touches them, and he changes their life forever. Jesus felt sorry for them, had compassion. He touched their eyes, and instantly they could see. And then they followed him. Mercy requires risk. These men risked yelling and then yelling louder. These men risked big asking for such a request like sight. Jesus risked giving them that request. But the greatest risk, perhaps, was that final sentence. Then they followed him. In Mark's account, it says they followed Jesus on the way, uh, down the road. That's an obvious description of a life of discipleship. These guys didn't know what they were getting into. I mean, within the week, the entire course of the cosmos was about to be altered for eternity. And they're deciding to follow this guy now. Someday I want to sit down with those guys and say, hey, what what's your next day look like? How about the rest of your week? How about a month? How about a, how about a year from now? Did you ever ask for anything as big as you did on that day on the road next to Jericho? Mercy had required risk for those guys, and it requires risk for us today as well. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus gave you what you have asked for, what you've been texting in? What do you want me to do for you? I mean, yes, it was a risk to come to, to die for us. It was a risk to give us the freedom to choose to follow him or not. It's a risk for Jesus to continue to ask us that question even to this day. What do you want me to do for you? And yet it's a risk Jesus takes. 
So I want to join those two guys on the side of the road to Jericho, and I want to call out to Jesus, Lord, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And I want to take that risk of letting him answer and seeing what happens. I want to take that risk of following him today, tomorrow, and the next days. My question is, will you join me? Because Jesus' is, his, his, uh, experience of mercy is more than thoughts and prayers. Way more than thoughts and prayers. And following him is not near the risk of getting your car rear-ended by an old classic car. Every day following Jesus is a risk, but it's worth it. So I'm going to ask Tim to come on up. I'm going to have him play quietly in the background. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray through this story that we just read. And when we get to the time where Jesus asks the questions, I'm going to pray what you guys have sent in. Not by name, but just what you guys have sent in. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Jesus, we got to see a, a picture of you, a story of you and your disciples leaving Jericho and going up to Jerusalem. We got to see blind men calling out to you. We got to see you stop and yell back at them. Lord, what a moment that must have been. The crowds are telling these guys to be quiet and you're yelling back. And you're saying, what is it you want me to do for you, Lord? In the story they said, we want to see. And this morning, in some very real way, you're asking us again, what is it you want me to do for you? Lord, for the person who asked this, would you heal the mother-in-law? Lord, for the mercy that you've already given this couple, we are grateful and we pray you would continue to give it. Lord, our response to that question is we want to live in you fully, during the next chapter, the next journey in our lives. Jesus, our response is please increase our pursuit and our desire to seek and walk with you every day. Lord, hear this prayer. God, this person wants you to help him make amends with others, to lay down his pride. Help him do that, Father. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? Would you relieve the anxiety this person has about their upcoming transition? Father, we ask that you heal Ryan. That's what this person requests. You can do it because we've seen it in this story. Lord, we ask for relief from joint pain as well for the person who's struggling in that. Lord, this member of our church family wants you to take control of their life. They need peace in all that comes in life. And Lord Jesus, I know this person has some chaos going on right now. Lord, I pray for this next person who wants to be a good mom. And Lord, for the anxieties that this person's experiencing, would you turn them into joy and thankfulness? Lord, hear our prayers this morning. 
These are prayers of your people, prayers that when you have called out to them, what do you want me to do for you? This is their response. And Jesus, we we have others that maybe we didn't text in that are just felt deep down inside. And we know that you feel compassion for us, just like you did for these blind men. God, I pray that you would give us courage to risk asking. And whatever your answer may be, would you give us the courage to follow you along the road just as these men did? I ask this in Jesus' powerful name. And all God's people said, 